Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to the Janae Franco Show. I am super excited to be with you today after a couple of weeks taking a nice break for Thanksgiving. It was a little wild around here, so I was just glad to be able to completely dive into family time. Uh, I will admit it was not fully joyfully. Uh, <laughs> I had some definite mindset struggles throughout the week uh, because my three-year-old is uh, just going through that phase of toddlerhood where he is um, becoming his own little person and he has got a big personality. So much like my previous, two of my previous children, um, it has been a challenge and a reminder that I cannot control him. And that is just something that I'm going to need to deal with. But um, anyway, so we had a great week though, and I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I am really excited to come here today and share a few thoughts that I have on preparing our hearts for Advent. Now, this is not going to be something that I'm going to give you a checklist or um, all the things that you have to do or should do. And in fact, I hope that if you're listening, uh, by the time you are done, you will, if you're struggling with accomplishing all the things for Advent or doing all the crafts or whatever it is that you feel like you have to do or need to do or should do, that you are able to really drop those expectations of yourself, drop those expectations of your family, of the people around you, and just really enter in to this season of Advent and the waiting and what God wants to give you, because it's going to be very different probably from what God wants to give me, but he wants our hearts. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about how I am going to do that this December. So the first question obviously is, you know, why, what's the purpose? What's our why for Advent? What kind of direction, what goal would we like to have? I was discussing this with my husband the other day and I was like, well, what do you want to, what do you want out of Advent? And he kind of went straight to like, well, I want to read this book or that book or do this. And it was all actions. And I was just thinking, well, no, like, how do you want, how do you want Christmas to be like, like, what do you want to feel? How do you want to think about Advent this year? And he was kind of like, uh, <laughs> because, you know, this is just, part of some of the coaching training that I'm going through, but also just something that I've been reflecting on as well is like, how, how do I want to think or feel at the end of Advent? What would be the emotion that I'd really like to focus on having throughout Advent? What would be maybe the virtue that God is calling me to for Advent? I will tell you a few of the things that have kept showing up in my Metanoia journal um, have just been intentionally loving the people around me and seeing everything that I'm doing as really a way that I can love someone. So whether that's, you know, my older two are capable of sorting and folding and putting away their laundry. Well, maybe I know like, Oh, I could just do this for them right now. And that is just some way that I can love them or hanging curtains in my daughter's room. Um, I did a lot of organizing in the house and used to, I would feel like it was selfish. Like I wanted the house in order so I'm going to spend this time to organize these things. And, but then when I, when I've been reflecting on it, as I'm taking these actions, I'm like, well, this is actually a way that I can love, not just myself for my own sanity of having it to be more organized, but honestly, like my kids, they may or may not realize now, maybe not all of them. I have at least one that's a little loopy and creative and like probably doesn't care as much about having order in the house, but 
they probably, they don't, they don't realize maybe even how much that order, like knowing where that toy goes, there's not as much stress to be like, can you please put this where it belongs instead of them being like, well, I don't know where it goes, which is what I hear a lot, but we're still coming out of renovation. So they, they like legit may not know where it goes. Um, we haven't talked about it or they don't have that spot for that thing. So even things like hanging curtains, like to help my daughter feel like more, into her bedroom so that she eventually wants to sleep in it because she still is wanting to sleep with her sisters because that's what they've been doing for the last six months is all in one room. So just little things like that. That's I'm trying to really be open to how God is showing me that I can love other people through these actions. So I think for me, you know, one of my goals for Advent is to be calm to be accepting of whatever might come my way during Advent, even if it's not what I planned, especially if it's not what I planned, uh, because that is not something that I am currently fantastic at. It's uh, certainly a grace if I'm able to sort of accept a child getting sick or something getting canceled or something getting moved around, uh, flexibility. It's just, it's hard for me to trust that God like is always looking out for me and that he always wants what is best for me and he will always give me what I need. So one of the ways that I've thought about this is to challenge you. How do you want to think about Advent? How do you, when you get to the end of the season, think about like, what are the feelings that you want to have? Do you want to feel frantic or overwhelmed or, um, you know, caught up in the hustle or bustle, or do you want to feel more calm, uh, you know, accepting or patient or maybe uh, obedient to the Lord or maybe open? Uh, it could be all sorts of things. Like, how do you want to feel about it? And then kind of work backward from there. Like, what goal could you set for yourself? Like one very simple goal. Uh, maybe it could be that you want to have a closer relationship with Christ through Advent. Maybe your prayer time is really struggling right now and you need that accountability. Maybe you want to feel closer to your husband. Maybe that relationship uh, is a struggle right now for whatever reason, uh, for lots of reasons. Maybe you want to accept a cross that you're carrying right now, a grief or a pain. Um, I can talk for myself even. I remember a couple of Advents ago, I was kind of in the middle of just this breaking open of my heart. There was something that I, I was doing, a, I think the blessed is she journal. It was like, a, it was a journal anyway. And something had come up in one of the days and it kind of blindsided me. And I was like, why am I still ruminating on this? It's been like years and years. And I was just so mad at myself for still struggling with this particular relationship in my life. And I just had a lot of pain and a lot of grief and I was just really sad because I was struggling with accepting kind of where I was at. I had been through some really amazing healing at this point, but I felt like there was just another layer coming and I kind of was resentful of that and I was resistant to it because I knew the kind of pain that I might have to feel if I really allowed myself to grieve the way I was supposed to grieve. And a lot of this came up during Advent. And so I just wasn't Maybe that's you. Maybe you are in a season where you don't feel the joy of the season. Maybe you're grieving someone or something or um, just any number of things. And you're just not feeling the joy of the season. Um, and that's a really, that's a really hard place to be because 
no one really teaches us, as I have come to learn, particularly in the last year, that our circumstances do not have to dictate um, the way we are or the way we respond or the way we think. People can, you know, there's this amazing man that I've learned a lot about through the work of Metanoia Catholic. He, his name is Victor Frankel. He is a survivor of the Holocaust. He was in concentration camps. And he talks a lot about this freedom that we have, that they can take away everything. They can take away everything that we have, but they cannot take away our freedom to choose our response to a situation, our freedom to, even in the darkest of times, even in the most horrible circumstances that you could even say are like intrinsically evil, that we have this choice, this responsibility to uh, be able to choose. He says in a beautiful way, he says between the stimulus, so we could call that like a circumstance or whatever you're going through, between a stimulus and a response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So what I've learned here and been able to put into practice, certainly not perfectly, (laughs) but I've been able to see is that learning about how our minds are working and how they're meant to sort of lead. I've talked a lot about the model. The circumstance creates a thought and it creates a feeling and then an action and then a result. And we have that space between the circumstance and our thought about it, between that circumstance and our feeling about it. And if we try to avoid feeling those things or we try to whitewash these thoughts, like one of the, you know, I guess one of the recent, not very recent, but one of the painful thoughts that I had was just this struggle that I had in motherhood. And as I was feeling this call to grow my business and reach people and speak this hope that Christ has for them, there was just this belief that... I shouldn't be feeling that way that I should find all my fulfillment in my motherhood. Um, And that there was something wrong for me with me for wanting anything else except to be home with my kids, even with them at school, like be home and only do homely type of things. Right. And I'm really trying to remember where I'm going with this because I completely lost my train of thought, but Um, the Holy Spirit's going to provide. So the point of me saying that is like that circumstance, I felt very stuck in how, where I was and that I didn't have a choice in how I thought or how I felt about the situation. But the more I learned about how my mind was working, as far as what my actual thoughts were, I was talking about whitewashing thoughts. I was trying to kind of defeat this thought with, you know, I should be, glad I'm a mom or like I have so many gifts and like I know so many women struggle to conceive and here I have four kids and I shouldn't be complaining at all and these seemed like I mean I don't want to say pretty thoughts because the word should is in them but like they seem like they could be helpful and I was holding on to them because I believed that they were helpful to some degree 
But the reality was, if I was thinking I should be doing this, I wasn't dealing with the actual feeling or grief or um, other thought that was underlying it, which might be like, what if I'm, you know, I'm not enough to do these things, or I'm not good enough, or just all the evidence that I could come up with that I was not going to be successful at this. So why try essentially, or that there was something wrong with me. Like literally the thought there's something wrong with me for wanting something in addition to motherhood, even though I had wanted motherhood my whole life. Uh, and here I was, and then I wasn't happy. And it was like, well, there's something wrong with you. You know, you should want something different. So I was whitewashing those thoughts. I was trying to put these, like, I was trying to slap these really positive thoughts on that. And that isn't helpful. <laughs> it seems like it's going to be helpful at the time, but it's really not. And so I think we have to get really honest with ourselves, really vulnerable with ourselves, and particularly in our relationship with God. You know, I remember uh, I had a spiritual director one time and I was dealing with just this anger that I had. And I was like, I had kind of gotten to the end of the road because I realized who I was angry at was God. Um, and I was like, I, I don't feel like I can be mad at God. Like I shouldn't be mad at God. And he's just like, I mean, God can take it. He needs you. He wants you and all of your feelings, all of your emotions, all of your thoughts, no matter how negative or gross, or I don't know, just like no matter how bad they might seem to you, he wants all of that. And so that was a really big changing turning point for me when I was able to realize that the anger or the grief that I felt was something that I could and in fact should and needed to take to God to let him transform me because taking because reality was I was taking up my anger on my husband, on my kids, on people around me by the form of impatience or perfectionism. I was even taking out that anger on myself because I believed that I should be much more perfect, that I should achieve so much more. Um, there was just, and it's still something that isn't kind of an underlying, like a well-worn neuro pathway that I'm working on kind of just reframing and rewiring so that I don't go back to some of those things. So I share that, you know, out of encouragement is to say, like, if you're feeling an advent, like you're not feeling it, not having the joy of the season, maybe you're struggling with something or whatever it might be to remind you that there is hope because God wants us to bring everything to him. So we don't have to pretend to be in this, you know, really wonderful place. Like he wants us exactly as we are. He wants us in all of our weakness because the reality is, and this is something that's really been, it came to me, I want to say it was like four Lent's ago now. It was sort of my scripture for Lent. And it's just kind of become my scripture for life at this point, I think, but it's um, for my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I could, like, I legitimately could not understand it. I could not wrap my mind around it. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm just so confused. Like, I know that there's truth in this because this is God's word and it's truth and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It was like, I'm just not understanding because in my mind, I needed to be super together and perfect and powerful. And there was just all kinds of self-reliance in there. It's still something I bring to the journal all the time is realizing how that's kind of my my backup plan is to shift into kind of a self-reliance mindset and just forget about God and be like, okay, well, I can handle this myself. So yeah, I think where I was going with that is that our thoughts are optional. And one other thing that Viktor Frankl says about this is 
when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And I think that that's kind of one of the beautiful things about hitting rock bottom, so to speak, or feeling, you know, where I was at that advent where I just, I felt like I, ha- I had, I was just struggling with this thing. Like I couldn't, I couldn't change the situation. And looking back, it was because God was calling me and inviting me to learn how to change, to learn how to allow him to change me through the acceptance of those feelings that I was feeling, the struggles I was having with anxiety or even depression at the time, um, the situations in my life that I could not control that had maybe, you know, already happened or were still in my life at the time, but that he was inviting me to change. He was inviting me beyond that. And so that kind of brings me to an interesting quote, um, by Father Chad Ripperger. He is an exorcist. I am a huge fan of all of his work. I don't have it behind me because I was using it for some bedside reading, but he has a fantastic book um, <clears throat> that's used as a reference for a lot of the Metanoia Catholic Purgative Way materials. And he says this, when I heard it, it just really, really struck me. And particularly in my own journey, I was like, this is so true. He says, Mental wellness is directly associated with the amount of truth that a person believes. So I like that he says wellness because mental health is something that is, I think, overused. There's a lot, a lot that we could talk about with mental health. And I don't think it always revolves around a particular diagnosis or disease. I think mental wellness is something that we are all working on on certain levels and certainly in coaching. That is something that we work excuse me, a lot on is just our ability to understand the mind uh, just as we are created. And I do find um, that the more I can accept reality, so the truth, the more peace I have, the more calm I have, the more, the less I deal with those feelings, those anxious feelings, those uh, sad feelings, And I can just accept like I'm feeling sad and just allow myself to be sad. Uh, How often do we as a culture just kind of run away from these feelings that we're having, um, not knowing really how to process them, being terrified of processing them, being, you know, just worried about what it could be like. Maybe if I allow myself to feel sad, I'm going to feel sad forever. Well, it's not true. But sometimes we need help to kind of let that happen. And that's one of the beautiful things that I've seen. And even some of the group coaching calls that I've been in is sometimes how quickly and how beautifully God can use just the permission to feel sadness or to feel uh, fear or just to allow yourself to actually feel that emotion that you're feeling uh, the Metanoia Catholic Academy has a beautiful workshop and entire focus on processing of emotions. And that has been a huge step for me in my own healing of being able to understand that the emotions I have are not bad. And that usually they're an indicator as we talk about the model, the circumstance, thought and feeling. Oftentimes I'm much more in touch with my emotions, maybe not so much with my thoughts. So when we've, I've talked about the journal before and when we 
sometimes when I do, instead of doing a thought recon, I'll do an emotion recon where I can look through the day and be like, I felt angry here or um, just uh, sad here or shameful here, guilty here, whatever it looked. And then to be able to go back and say, well, what, what could I have been thinking in that moment when I was feeling that? Because oftentimes we just try to like shut it down. And I think that goes back to, you know, the amount of truth that we believe. And when we're able to process those emotions and process these circumstances, like we're not saying don't accept the circumstance that's right in front of you. Um, particularly, you know, I can think of multiple times, I don't know, I use this as an example a lot, but as a mom, like getting a call from school or a kid coming home from school and having a fever and you know, okay, well the next day they're going to be home. And how many times I go straight to ah, my plans are ruined, you know, like I'm going to have to sit with my kid and, you know, take care of them and not get to do anything that I wanted to do. Uh, and of course, obviously there's a lot of thought work I could do around that, but um, and it certainly has improved, but I remember a time when that would have like totally wrecked me uh, or even, gosh, how many times, you know, my husband couldn't tell me certain things that would happen at work or um, couldn't tell me certain parts of his life because I couldn't handle it. Cause it would just send me into like a tailspin of like worry and fear and anxiety, like all these anxious feelings that I just had no idea how to process because I had been, I hadn't kind of dealt with a lot of those things that were underlying issues. So anyway, I just want to say that about Advent in particular and pre preparing our hearts is being able to just really be in touch with the reality of where we are and what we're doing. Um, really thinking about what virtue you want to work on. Maybe it's docility to the Holy Spirit Maybe it's obedience. Um, you could even look at the Beatitudes. I think that would be a really cool way of, of focusing your Advent is what Beatitude do you want to focus on? And then you pray about it and you journal about it if you've got the Metanoia journal. And you kind of write down, maybe you write the Beatitude in the thought line and then you just write all your thoughts about it. Maybe you're repulsed by it. So you know that that's the thing that maybe you should focus on. I don't know. But that's a really good way as well to kind of focus your Advent plans in a way that honestly can just spread out to your family, to your kids, to your marriage. Um, maybe it's a lot, maybe it's having a faith that's just living and active. Uh, that's fun. I've been thinking a little bit about faith in the last month. It's something that's always at the top of my list of virtues that I'm praying for because I'm seeing more and more how my self-reliance turns into not trusting God. And so I've just worked a lot on allowing myself to trust that God has a plan for me, even if things kind of don't work out the way I want them to, or I'm not as motivated as I would like to be or whatever it is. And just say, you know what, like, or even showing up here on the podcast without a huge big outline of what exactly I'm going to talk about and just trusting that I know enough, like I, I, whether it's this or something else, it's like, no, like God's going to provide here in my weakness is when his power is great and his power is strong. And that's when we get to boast in him over ourselves. And that's, that's the goal. It's not saying that we shouldn't have strengths, but that ultimately God is the one that comes in and transforms our hearts and transforms us into who he wants us to be for our lives, for our children you know, that's another big thing is that 
How can we be a better example to our kids throughout Advent? Um, if we don't want our kids to be so materialistic, like maybe that's something as we want our family to have more of a peaceful and calm uh, focus on giving to others, then maybe we do something like the giving manger. I think I have that. Um, it's a beautiful thing that we've done every the last few years where the kids do something kind or generous for someone else and they're able to put a little straw in the manger and that's how they can comfort baby Jesus. And maybe we do little things like that. Maybe you don't do an official giving manger, but how can you reverse engineer where December 1st, we've got a lot of Advent left. So I just really encourage you to take to prayer how you want December to look and not accept this lie that we have to get caught up in the hustle and bustle, even if you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet. Okay, you're not behind. How can you make it more calm? How can you make it to be more of an experience of loving other people through, you know, your Christmas shopping? Because that's the reality, right? Is Christmas shopping is about, well, we hope it is. It's about being thoughtful and loving toward another person and showing them that we care about them and we love them and we are thinking about them. And so wherever you are at, even if you have finished most of your shopping because your goal was to do that before Advent and you can like 100% focus on just all the other parts of the season, how can you kind of reverse engineer your Advent to where when Christmas comes, you're not feeling like you got caught up in the spirit of the world or the hustle of the world. Um, you get to choose that for you, for your family, for your kids. And I want to say... One more thing about that. I thought the readings today were just amazing. They, I've heard this word abundance so much in the last, I don't know, little bit of time. I'm going to pull up the reading for today and just kind of read it for you guys. So Matthew 15 verses 29 to 37. And Jesus went on from there and passed along the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there and great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the maimed, the blind, the mute and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them so that the throng wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed whole, the lame walking and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get bread enough to feed in the desert to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves have you? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. And commanding the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. I think for me, when I was able to really enter into this scripture, I'm thinking of what God was speaking to me in my own life. How many times do I feel like the disciples where I'm like, well, the job here is to feed this great crowd of, um, I guess it says here in the comments, 4,000. And they have 
seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. I can only imagine how they might've felt or how often I feel. I have so little, I have so little, I have so little to give in this situation, whether that's for a dream in my heart and I just feel so unqualified, or maybe that's when my kid is yelling at me again because he's three and he wanted to close the drawer and not me. And I can't really undo the situation um, satisfactorily. And I just feel like, nope, I don't have enough. <laughs> I don't have it be close to enough because I'm getting impatient again. And how Jesus is like, no sweat. I got this, you know, and he had them sit down and he blessed. He gave thanks. I love that too. How many times do I give thanks for the small gifts that I have? How many times do, do we take time to be grateful it's one of the things I love about the Metanoia journal, and I've never been great at keeping a gratitude journal. It's just, um, I don't know. I just never have been great at keeping a gratitude journal. I've, I've journaled in the past, but I've usually liked to journal on open, wide open spaces. And so it was a shift for me to go to the Metanoia journal layout, but I wouldn't change it for the world because it has allowed way more progress than when it was just my thoughts on the page. Although sometimes I do get an extra page and I just keep going if there's not enough room in the journal, but um, as we give thanks, we give thanks for the gifts that we have and then trust as Jesus did that our father is good and wants to provide for us. Not just enough. Something that caught my eye again today was not just enough. It wasn't like, Oh yep, Everybody is satisfied and we're done. Like we don't have anything left over. It was like, everyone is satisfied. They all ate and they had seven baskets full of the broken pieces. Not only did God provide, but he provided in abundance. And I think how often do I want to hold on tight to these little things that I have in my life, this little bit, these little fish and these seven loaves of bread. And I'm just like, but it's not enough. So I'm just not going to do anything. And instead, what God wants is our yes. He wants us to walk out in faith to say this this is enough because you say it's enough. This is enough. I am enough, not because I'm enough, but because I have you. You are in me. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in each and every one of us as believers. And so we have that. We have that Holy Spirit and we have the abundance of Christ. That word abundance just keeps coming up time and time again. So I invite you, bring that into your prayer time. How does God want to give a abundantly to you during Advent? Is it an abundance of patience, an abundance of love or joy? Maybe it's just an abundance of acceptance. Like maybe it's not even this extreme emotion, but it's just accepting where we are um, and being able to be okay with that. That's good too. Like it doesn't have to be super extreme. God just wants us and he wants our hearts. So I hope that today was helpful for you. Again, I'm going to put the free download for the Metanoia journal that I'm going to put that in the show notes, because honestly, I bet you if you committed to being able to do that even three times a week between now and Christmas, I dare you to see what changes in your life, because that process is just there's just nothing like it to be able to understand how much control we have 
again, and also how little when it comes to God's grace changing us, but like, that's a beautiful thing. In fact, it's something to get excited about. It's like, oh, it's not all on me. God really is good. And he does want to provide. But like, I dare you to do that three times a week before Christmas, get the download, download it today. Uh, do what you can, even if you break it up over a couple of days, because you're learning the exercises. I know for the first, I mean, the first probably like two months, because I didn't journal every day. There's a big um, section here in the front and it, well, I don't know. I'll show you. It has, well, that's the definitions, but it has all the different exercises. And I actually read that almost every day before every exercise, because I wanted to kind of do it right. And um Anyway, it was just beautiful. But the free download has a little video for each of the sections. And I just, I challenge you, that's my challenge today is go do the journal three days a week before Christmas and watch your life and your mind transform in a way that you just never believe possible. So I want to remind you guys again, if you want to join my email list so you know what's coming up, what's happening, any coaching offers that I've got going on, I invite you to do that. You can check the link in the show notes. I invite you to... uh, consider the coaching. I've still got that going on. I would love the opportunity to coach you, to teach you more about what we have going on in the Metanoia Catholic process, the thought trajectory model. It's just incredible. I also would invite you to keep an eye out on social media and on the email list because I am going to be releasing some times this month that I will be showing up in an open office hours format, completely free. And I will be doing some coaching. So I would say group coaching, but it'll be one-on-one coaching within that group. So you can come to those office hours with something that you want coaching on. And I will walk you through, um, yeah, I will walk you through the thought trajectory model and sort of learning how your mind works. So I will be releasing those times very soon. And I just can't wait to see you guys again next week. I will be praying for you to have a fruitful advent and You can always send me a message too. Let me know if this episode touched you, if there was something you really learned from it, something you would love to hear from me next time. I'm always looking for ideas and God is always moving. So until next time, God bless you.